0: Well, good morning, MCC. You guys feeling good today? Good, 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 good. Glad you're feeling good. Glad you're feeling good. Hey, if we had a chance to meet yet, my name's Trent. I have the unbelievable honor and privilege of being the lead pastor here at McDonough Christian Church. If you are here and today is your very first time, um, church family, can we just let them know how glad uh, we are they will take some time out of the week? Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, We'd love to give you more than an applause, though. Uh, We have a gift for you out there at that Connect table. Uh, We'd love to give you some of that as well. There's a little card you can fill out in that chair in front of you. You can take that out there. Um, We'd love to answer any questions you have about who we are, kind of what we believe, what we stand for. And we'd love to help you figure out how you can get connected to this thing that we believe has truly made our lives better. And I want to talk to you guys, uh, before we dive in today, about a few things that are coming up, okay? It's not going to be the sermon before the sermon. It's just going to be a little bit of things that are coming up, all right? First thing. There's been a lot of people who since September have now started coming to MCC. And we've been uh, rejoicing about seeing uh, new people come and get connected. And one of the things that's so important about getting connected to a local church is actually getting connected and plugged in to a community group. And today, uh, we have some community group leaders out there. Andy Daughter, who kind of leads that department for us. He's out there. I would love to help any of you get connected into a community group. For some of you, you think about, man, what's the habit I need? Um, That is it. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. It's really hard to go after who God's called you to be without being surrounded by people people who are trying to be who God has called them to be as well and so community groups may be a great next step for you right after service next thing this is gonna be happening tomorrow night and this is only for my ladies where my ladies at hey ladies sorry (laughs) if my wife was here that would have embarrassed her um that's what me and Colin do best Um, But we are having a tapestry women's event. Uh, It's going to be the first one of the year. It's going to be launching off. They've got um, kind of a renewed vision and and mindset for where they're going to be leading the tapestry women's ministry for this coming year. And if you're a woman uh, and and you're looking for a place to be honest, to be real, to have a conversation, and to have your tank filled back up so you can go and be poured out throughout the week, I invite you to come to that and to bring some people with you. So that's going to be tomorrow night starting at 7 o'clock. Last thing, since I've been here... Almost week in, week out, daily, I get phone calls, text messages, just, I mean, everything. Facebook messages, all these different type of stuff with people, you guys, just absolutely begging, saying, Pastor Trent, can we please, after this habit series, do a series on money? I just, I just cannot wait <laughs> for you to talk to us about financial stuff and, and, and money and all that type of stuff. And so, I'm just kidding, that obviously has never happened, that's why people are laughing but starting next week we're going to be diving into a series because the reality that, that I found even in my own life and that I've seen in so many other Christians life is that while many times we would say I am a theist I believe in God oftentimes in regards to finances we are economic atheists and so the series is called Economic Atheists we're going to be starting it next week I want to give you an idea of what it's going to be like so you can check this out alright let me just look really quick right here I'm just making sure like I will take mental notes. I'm, I'm a, I have a photographic memory somewhat. I'm just trying to make sure who I see uh, four weeks from now, and I don't see between now and then. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You guys, here, here's the deal, and this is, this is this pastor's heart to you on this. The reality is, man, I know so many of us, um, it, it's hard in a society where there's so much pressure to do things with our finances the wrong way. And what my heart in in starting this series is to say, let's anchor ourselves in what God's word says about how we should steward what he has given us. And so that's where we're going to be leaning to. This isn't me going to be twisting your arms so that I can get a private jet or anything like that. All right, so that's next Sunday. I'm very, very excited about this Sunday, though. Let's pray and dive into his word. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that we, as your church, can gather together in a world full of plastic, fake, temporary, shallow, we can experience in a place like this something real, authentic, and deep. And we pray that your word would lead us to that today. I pray that as we talk about what we're gonna talk about, the, the passion that God, I know you have for us, and the passion that you have for those who are not in this room, we begin to fill our hearts, minds, and souls so much so that it overflows out of our mouths, our hands, and our feet. We love you, Jesus. Speak to us today, for if you do not, nothing of any significance will have been said. In your name, amen. All right, so we've been in this series, uh, Habits. We've been leaning into this. We, we start out kind of week one saying that we have, through our small decisions, the potential to do things that lead to big differences and have a big impact. And so we started out kind of week one saying that while everybody kind of has similar goals, we all, if we pulled the room, would say, yeah, I want this to happen in my life or I want that to happen in life, and the similarities would be across the room. The reality is we experience a whole lot of different results. And a lot of those results are different because we have different habits. And that habits or systems are really what lead to success then we identified the fact that man for us if we're following Jesus having a successful life having an Instagram worthy life having a hashtag blessed type of life is not necessarily what Jesus has called us to what Jesus called us to be is not necessarily successful he's called us to be faithful and so week one we said I need to figure out who I want to become before I lean into what I need to do and so we asked that question who do I feel like God has called me to become more of this year. And how can I focus on that? In week two, we started start talking about how we can start the habits. We know there are things. If we're going to be and run after who God has called us to be, there are going to be half the things that we're going to have to start that are going to be different than what we're currently doing. And we talked about how to start the right way. And then last week, we talked about stopping. We talked about how because of what Jesus did on the cross, we now have this power over the sin in our life, over the things in this life that take us away from who he has called us to be. That through him, breaking the sin, breaking death, now every chain that could ever hold us back is broken. And we get to live in that. And so as we've talked through this whole series of things, of leaning into habits, I imagine there may have been some times where it felt like I was in your kitchen. And I was, you know, you still toe boots kind of sermons. where It's like, I you're not stepping on my toes. Um, but today... I have no desire to get into your kitchen. My desire today is to get into our kitchen. A lot of these sermons in these past three, they have been very specific to you. They have been very um, centered around kind of how you can take this and apply this and make things look different in your life. It will benefit us. But today I want to specifically lean in to us because I believe that there is a habit that if we collectively can possess, it can change everything. And so I want to ask you a question. Raise your hand if, if this is you. Raise your hand if you're the type of person when you wake up in the morning, you make your bed. Bedmakers. Okay, bedwetters. No, just kidding. <laughs> bedmakers. Okay, we got a lot of bedmakers. Raise your hand if you're like me and your wife makes your bed. It's good. That's why I have to get up before her because if I got up to go to the bathroom at 7 30, I'd come back and the bed would be bad. I'd be like, what in the world? All right, raise your hand if you, as a child, or, or, or even now in your own home, Eating a meal around the dinner table, eating dinner around the dinner table, was something that happened in your home at least two times, at least two nights out of the week. All right, that's a lot of you. Good deal, good deal. Okay, so if that's you, well, I'm proud of you guys. If that's you, one of the things you may have stumbled on in your life is this thing called a keystone habit. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. A keystone habit is this. A keystone habit is a small habit that unintentionally carries over into other areas of life. See the researchers in, in those books that I recommended to you. You know, especially in the one called uh, "The Power of Habit" by Charles Duhigg. The research shows that people who get up and make their bed first thing in the morning, they have a, a better ability to be able to stick to a budget, which some of you are elbowing your spouse. I told you, I trying to spend my money. And they also showed that for kids who eat at least two meals. With their family around a dinner table, their test scores are shown to be higher. They're shown to have higher level of self-confidence as well. And so maybe the answer isn't a tutor. Maybe the answer is less TV, less tablets, and more time around the dinner table. See, these keystone habits, the way they talk about them is the research shows that they are these habits that create a disproportionate effect into other areas. So you wouldn't necessarily think that making your bed would make you be able to stick to a budget but it has that overlap effect. Another one of those keystone habits that they talk about in the research shows has the potential to overflow and affect different areas is food journaling. So it's literally taking a notepad or notes in your phone and you just write down everything you eat for a whole week, which some of you are like, that's terrifying. I don't want to do that. But the reality is is, is that when you see what you're eating, you will start eating different. When you start eating different, you have different energy levels. You have different energy levels. Maybe you work a little harder. Maybe you work a little harder and maybe you get a raise. That reality is that those small things over time lead to something different. And it started with something that was small. So I began to ask myself, okay, that's a principle. I've seen that in my own life. There are things that I know that I do that lead to so many other things down the road for both positive and negative. And so I look at that and I go, okay, in light of that, this principle that we see not only in the world but also in the word, how can this affect who we are as a church? And I began to think, man, is there a keystone habit that can be a habit for us as a church? That if we were able to do this one thing, it may have disproportional effects, not just for what's going on in this room, but what happens outside of it. Things like your workplace, things like your school, things like where you're going and playing sports with your family. Is there a keystone habit we could have? I began to read and, and think through and ask from people and talk some stuff. And the place I went for my first set of clues was the book of Acts. If you got a Bible, not Acts, Acts, A-C-T-S, Acts chapter 2 is where I'd invite you to go with us. Acts chapter 2, we'll starting verse 42, kind of down at the end. As you're turning there... Uh, essentially what's going on here is as Jesus has came, he's lived his life, he has uh, gone to the cross, he has been resurrected, he ascended into heaven. Before he did, he left his guys um, with this great commission to go into all the world to make disciples. He told them, go ahead, go to Jerusalem, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit there. And it's going to empower you to do more than you could have ever imagine." And then that happened. And then these types of things start happening, what we see in verse 42. It says, they... "...devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wondrous signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people." I love this last verse. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So, what we see here in this verse, it gives us a clue into some of the things that the early church were doing habitually. Things that they were living out on a habitual basis that was a part of their daily, not just routine, but of their daily dedication. They were meeting in homes, they were breaking bread together, they were hanging out, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were selling things and giving to those who had needs. And what we see there is that God began to add to their number. To put it in a simple way that I feel like we can remember and we can latch onto, is that what we see in this early church is they had the habit. They had this set of habits. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Because they had the habit of being the church, God had the habit of building the church. Consistently, we see them doing the things that the church was designed and appropriated to do by the power of the Holy Spirit that was working in and through all those people. And through that, God said, I'm going to build this church. Now, sometimes we can read that and and swing a pendulum one way wrong or the other way wrong. We can take it and go, okay, well, if we do all these things, the church will grow. We can go that way. Or we can go, well, we do all these things, and then God does it. I think there may be some middle ground. Now, before you hear me saying we save people, we do not save people. It did not say Peter added to their number daily those who were being saved. John added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I will never say Trent added to the number of people who were being saved. But here's the deal. I believe what we see here in the scripture is that the way that they were engaging the culture around them, the way that they were serving the people is what led to God saving the people and adding them to their number Amen. and that's when i when i think about us as a church i believe that man there are some things that we are missing because i read this passage and i don't know about you but i like that idea i like breaking bread with you guys every single day carbs yes lord <laughs> bread come on i like the idea if if, if somebody in here had a need that like you sell the boat and we give to the need I like the idea of being devoted to some sort of form of teaching, like to have truth elevated to a level where we can go, oh, no, 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 that's a lie, I know truth, because I'm actually devoted to it. I like the idea of what's going on here, but somewhere along the way, I, I'm afraid that we, we missed out on some of this. And so I got through this, and I was like, okay, well, well is the keystone habit somewhere in that passage of Scripture? And then I was like, well, they did like 17 different things, how am I going to figure that out? And I started to talk with uh, Tim and Rachel, our, our children's ministry, student ministry pastor. And I had a good conversation uh, with a guy who goes to church here uh, named Chuck. And uh, I began to study some, some pastors and leaders who are way smarter than I am. And have figured some things out in regards to this because I believe that this principle is true. And I see it in scripture and I, and I feel like, man, what is it that if we could latch onto this, we could be a church that sees what God does in and through us affect generations? And so that's been what I've been praying around this week. That what we talk about today would be something that creates a ripple effect that goes out into generations and generations. Not because of how well I preach it to you. But because of how well we live this out. And so through through thought, prayer, seeking wise counsel. As we've leaned into this and had a good hearty bit of discussion as a staff. Where I believe for us as a church, if you're taking notes, write this down, never forget it. What could be a keystone habit for us is this, that we invest and invite. That we invest in people and we invite them in to places like a community group. Into places like a Sunday worship service. And when I say invest, I, I say that because, you know, some places you could just so sort of say, hey, man, the keystone habit is we just need to invite people in. And you guys, you just take the, you know, take your, your, your McDonald's business cards and you're just giving them out to everybody. Come to church, come to church, come to church, come to church. church. And, and you've seen those places who do that. The reality is, man, there is something to investing in a relationship and saying, I know your name, I know your family. Because of the relational equity that I have invested in you, I now have grounds to invite you into something. And when I say inviting them in, I'm definitely by no means saying just into this room. Because here's the deal, guys. More and more as our culture shifts and the way that culture looks at what the church is, people are more and more finding their way into something that is more like a community group than they do a worship service. And let me just tell you a little thing that pastors maybe aren't supposed to say but i'm going to say anyway what happens in community groups really looks more like what happened right here in acts 2 42 through 47 than what we do in here and so i love having a conversation with colin this past tuesday and him him telling me hey we're moving our community group off of Wednesday nights in the church building, and we're moving it into my neighborhood in Locust Grove so I can hopefully invite people from my neighborhood into my group. I love that. And I think there is, there is potential for us because here's the deal Jesus gave us this great commission. He said, Go into the world and make disciples. And over the course of the last eight months, as I have done my best to study, to become a student, to not try to change everything about MCC, but just learn as much as I can from MCC. One of the things that I have come to figure out and to find out is that, man, we crush it. We are doing an amazing job at training disciples, but we are not doing a good job at making disciples. We have events. We have classes. We have women's ministries. We have men's ministries. We have Sundays. We have stuff for our kids. And we are doing a great job about training people who are currently disciples. But I think we are not doing our best to make new disciples. See, the call on our life is to be disciples and to build disciples. And when we talk about building disciples, that is building up, strengthening ones who are already disciples. At the same time, it is building new construction, people who are not yet disciples, and bringing them in. But the reality is, guys, man, and some of you are like, I thought he was gonna say the keystone habit is just to pray more. How unspiritual. I thought he was gonna say the keystone habit was just to read our Bibles way more. Here's, here's something that I've found in my own life maybe you've seen it too it is possible to become far educated past your level of obedience and sometimes it just takes saying something and doing something and putting action to what you know is true to invite people in and so my hope and my prayer is that we can begin to live some of these out because here's the deal When I think about this reality of investing and inviting people and how if this became a keystone habit for us, it could affect so many different things, I look at it through the other side of it of going, man, how many times have we came in, listened to a sermon, gone to children's ministry, served somewhere, and then gone home, and went through another seven groups of days, not invested in any sort of relationship, not talked to anybody, not poured into anybody, definitely didn't invite anybody to come with us. And then we showed back up the same Sunday. And we spent, last Thursday, we spent an hour over there in the prayer room with me and the staff repenting of how we have failed to lead the way in that for you. So on behalf of the staff, probably even on behalf of the elders, I don't know, they may be far out ahead of us. Here's the deal. We repent. We repent. And I never, ever want to be the pastor who gets on this stage and asks you to do something that I am not willing and am not currently doing myself. And so I need you to pray for me, to get out of my box, get out of my bubble, and to lead the way in this. Because here's the deal, every week where we come and we go and we come back, And we don't invest in people and we don't invite people in to experience Jesus how we've experienced him here. Do you know what that does? That is ingraining the bad habit that says everything that is here is about me and my family. But this, this thing that we are, this is not Sky Zone. This is not Target. This is not a movie theater or concert. This is not a self-help seminar. This is not something else to consume. This is a thing. This is a people called the church. We are a movement, a family, and we are something that was supposed to be an unstoppable force for good in the cities that we gather in. Not something to be consumed, but something to be contributed to. It's something that you could be a part of, something that exists for the hope of the souls in the cities that we call home. And so for us, guys, while our title may be McDonough Christian Church, we are not just McDonough Christian Church, a place where Christians in McDonough can gather together to have a safe place to be fed, taught, encouraged and hang out with other Christians. As I've tried to study the history of our church and look at how it has been led, one of the things that I know without a shadow of a doubt is that this church it was not launched by Gene Garrett and it was not led faithfully for 25 plus years by Paul Leslie to become a hub for Christians in McDonough it was launched by Gene and was led by Paul to be a hub for Christians who could go out and let this place become a place that was a hospital for people who were hurting that is why they started it and here's the deal Okay, that's, that's those guys hearts now I want you to take it from a different side God placed a place like McDonough on their hearts because it is on his heart. For us, even for Jessica and I, okay, take it for, for, you have Gene, you have Paul, you have me. The biggest hurdle for Jessica and I coming here was not, okay, is the salary good enough for our family to be well taken care of? Is the, do the elders, can I get along with those guys? Is it a church full of gossip and contention? You know, what is it contemporary or traditional? You know, all these blah, blah, blah things that you could have as your list of checkoffs to go, am I going to go be the pastor there? The biggest hurdle for us was going. Is McDonough, is Henry County a place that we can give our hearts for the long haul? And the reason, church, that I believe God placed McDonough and Henry County on their hearts and on my hearts is because it was on his and put it in his perspective. Think about God for for a second. He sits in heaven on his heavenly throne. And he looks down on cities like McDonough, Jonesboro, Jackson, Stockbridge, Hampton, Locust Grove, Griffin. And when he looks down on these cities, guys, I'm telling you, he does not just see the Christians. When God looks down on these cities, do you know what he sees? He sees his lost children. He sees his prodigals. He sees his lonely, his hungry. He sees his fatherless. He sees his distracted. He sees addicted. He sees his wondering. He sees his confused. He sees his raped, his molested, his abused. He sees his hurting children in this city. That's what he looks at when he sees this city and the cities around us. And do you know what his response is when he looks down and he sees that? The father's response is McDonough, Christian, Christian. It's us. And I don't know about you, but that is one part amazing and about three parts terrifying. Because the reality is, guys, like, think about it. This, th- we're talking about God who looks down and sees what his kids are going through. And doesn't go, all right, angels, you're way better equipped than them. I can't even get them to pay attention to a 30-minute sermon. I need you to go down and take care of those things. God doesn't go, okay, I created their brain. I can just send an angel down to rewire some things so that that kid never walks in on a parent who's strung out on drugs. And I don't want them to see that. So I'll just go wire this up and, and fix this a little bit so that they don't see it. God has all of those at his beck and call, but refuses to use those. And instead says, I want to use my people. I want to use my church. That's the reason I let Jesus go to the cross so that his Holy Spirit could be in and active and alive through them everywhere to the far corners of the world. That's why the Holy Spirit is alive in us. And so when we look at this and and we think about who we are and who God has called us to be, and we understand that that is his response, what he is essentially saying is, I see those children. So I am sending my church. The spirit of my son, Jesus Christ, alive in and through McDonough Christian Church is what I have chosen to bring hope to the hurting. It's what I have chosen to bring lost people into a place where they are found. And so I don't know about you, like I don't know what brought you to Henry County. I don't know what brought you in this morning. But here's the reality. I believe if you are here you have been appointed by God for such a time as this. To be used by God to help the hurting, help the lonely, lead people who are far off from him into his family. Here's the deal. like, Think about it from a strategic perspective. If heaven had a whiteboard, and they're up in heaven, and they're doing whiteboard session, trying to figure out how they can end the things that are going on in our city, that are breaking their hearts, there's the big problem, and that's the lost people, and they've got that highlighted and figured out. The solution to that is your name and my name is our name as McDonough Christian Church. I mean, maybe maybe you never got there to go in heaven. When God thinks about what will solve this, he thinks about his son working through us. And, and, and man, again, this is one of those things that, that blows my mind because if this happens we have got to understand what his heart has been all along. Because you look at verses like John three sixteen it says, For God so loved the world that he did what, guys? He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So what that means is, is that, that there's God, and he's in heaven, and he sees this hopeless world, hopeless humanity, people like me and you, and he says, they can't do this on their own. I'm sending my son to make a way for them to be saved not just for the Christians, not just for the people who would say they would believe. When God said, when he said he loved the world, he didn't just mean the Christians. He meant the whole world. And so if we serve a God who said, I see the sin, I see the hurt, I see the pain of humanity, and I'm sending my son to the world to go and to bring salvation to it. Our response then is to go, That same God who sent his son to us is now sending us to allow the spirit of his son in and through us to go and to serve the cities that we exist in. It's essentially like he's saying this. It is like he is saying, McDonough, I see you. I see my hurting. I see my lonely. McDonough, I see you. And they're yours. The church, McDonough Christian Church, they're yours. And see, what we've been invited to then is something totally different. What happens is we go from being McDonough Christian Church. We go from there to being something that I think is truly what we've been called to be, which is not McDonough Christian Church, but McDonough's Christian Church. See, there is a a quantum shift in thinking that this is my church and this is where my family goes. And this is what my family does on Sunday, because this is mine. But our mission has never been that this would be yours. Our mission is that we would be theirs. And this is what happens when we accept the grand invitation that is contained within an apostrophe and an S. And I pray that you, God's chosen vessel to allow this to happen through, would accept that invitation of the apostrophe and the S. And so we look around at, at a city like ours and we wonder, oh, goodness gracious, how will a city like ours ever know that there is a God who gave his son away to save them? I think they will find that out the same way that the earlier church found it out. How will a city know that there's a God who gave himself away to save them? By seeing a church that gives itself away to serve them. And I, I'm going to be very honest here. We, McDonough Christian Church, we are not there yet. That is one of the things I believe God is called, that's one of the things that will look different from us moving forward, is we are not there yet. We are not there. We have not got to the place where we are giving ourselves away to serve our community. And so why, why, why do we want to make this investing in people and inviting them in, why do we want to make that a keystone habit? Is it so that we can just fill this place up and, and grobe giant things and just become six flags over Jesus on this corner of the lot? That's not why we want to do this. We invest and we invite not to build a crowd, but to build disciples. We do it for stories like Sidarius and Talea. Sidarius and Talea, a young couple who recently gave birth to twins. But before that happened, Sidarius was working with Chuck Rutledge, a member of MCC, who works at uh, Clayton County Water Authority. They're working together. And Chuck, you know, he learned, hey, Sedarius is on my crew. And he's about to, his wife's about to give birth to twins. That's, you know, if there ever was a period of time when you could use uh, some help uh, from a good church family, um, you, you kind of hit one of those. And Chuck kind of sees that, and he invites them in. Sedarius and Talia, they start coming to church. You know, you you probably all have seen her walking around from time. There's a lot of pregnant women walking around here, but she was one of them. And now you see their two boys being pushed around or being on the baby Bajoran thing from them. And it's been this amazing story because they were able to find a place to connect. They were able to get plugged into the Brinkley's community group. And to be able to, you know, having one kid is enough of a financial burden, but they were able to have a community group just overwhelm them by giving them another shower so that they can have everything and more that they need. And it hasn't been just a place where we serve them. They've plugged back in and they're leading and they're serving and they're doing those things. I think about the stories like the girl Ashlyn. Ashlyn was a girl uh, two weeks ago who came down front, teenage girl. And she comes up here and she's weeping. And she says, I'm just going through a lot right now. And I'm like, You're a middle school, I mean, you're a high school girl, so I I can only imagine. And Ashlyn got baptized that week or, or that Sunday. And she had been being invited by another friend. And she had started coming to Student Impact and getting plugged in and connected. And God was working in her life. I I think about kids even like me. Who as I, as a kid, who had never gone to church growing up, am sitting in my dad's pickup truck with my sister as he pulls over to buy a station wagon. And this is at the time where station wagons weren't cool to buy. And this old man, Hewlett Cook, in his mid-80s, sees my sister and I in the back seat. In the midst of trying to sell a station wagon, sees us and goes, hey, I see you have kids. My church has a great children's ministry and student ministry. You should come check it out. And my father, who had never put me in a truck, a van, a car, Or anything else in taking me to church. Drove us to church. And we started going then. And a large part of the reason that I am here. Is because I found myself into a place. That showed me that the broken. Jacked up messed up abusive family that I had. Was not what God's family was like. And I experienced what God's family was like. Through the local church. And it came through an invite of an elderly man. Who couldn't stand up long enough. To hold doors as a greeter who couldn't go and rock babies in children's ministry, who would be really awkward if he was in a high school cafeteria trying to connect with teenagers. And so I would just say to some of you who are older in the room today, if you still have breath in your lungs, if you still have the ability to communicate, God is not done with you yet. Your invite may just lead to someone, maybe like me, maybe like my boys, who end up, having a life and a story that is radically different because you're one small decision to invite them in to experience what you have. That's why I believe there is power in a simple invitation. And if we're gonna do this, I think it's gotta work within this whole habit loop that we've talked about. And so I wanna help you. I want it to be incredibly practical. I want to give you things, handles, to be able to put this into practice. If we're going to invest, if we're going to invite, I got to help you. And so, um, habit loop, okay? What does the habit loop start with? We're gonna see if anybody paid attention this week. Triggers, yes, triggers. Okay, I wanna show you something. All right, we got this. Was it up there before I asked him that? Ah, goodness. okay. So you got to have triggers. If we're gonna, if we're gonna, if we're gonna create a habit of investing in people and inviting them into experience what we have, because we believe that that has a potential to change things, we have to have triggers. And our triggers are gonna be called this: the three knots. All right. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Here's how it goes. I told um, the, the other service this: man, take pictures of this, write it, get it tattooed, whatever you got to do. The first one is this: things are not going well. And again, these are triggers, so here's the deal. Anytime you hear someone say this in life, at the ball field, at work, in the car rider line, whatever it may be, you hear somebody say this, this is your cue to then invite them in. They say things are not going well. You say, man, I've had times in my life where things weren't going well either. And thank goodness I had a church family who could help me through that. When you hear someone say they just got diagnosed with cancer, when you hear someone say they just got divorced, when you hear someone say they just got let go, whatever it may be, this is where we take that cue and we invite them in to what we've experienced because it's given us hope and they need it desperately. Second one, I'm not from around here. So you're out and about, you hear someone say, man, I'm just not from here. What is with all this traffic? I am not from around here. That's a great opportunity to go, listen, I know you may be away from home. But there's this place called McDonough Christian Church. And I am away from home too, but it's the closest thing I've ever felt to being at home. Would you come with me? And the last one is this. I was not expecting that. This was Sidarius and Talia. Hey, we were expecting one kid. I was not expecting two kids. And so they got invited in. And this could be, I was not expecting that good it could be I was not expecting that bad. I was not expecting to have to get transferred with my husband's job to this city that I don't know anybody in. I was not expecting things to go this way. I was not expecting this. And when we talk about rewards, the reality is, guys, I'm not going to walk around church with, like, Werther's Originals in my pocket, and you're going to come up to me and be like, look who I invited to church, and I'm just going to, like, pass them out to you. I'm, I'm not going to walk around with chocolates. I'm not going to have, like, $5 scoops, cards in my, po- in my wallet, just giving them out when I see you invite people in. But here's the deal. I talked to Chuck Rutledge on Wednesday, we had breakfast together, and here's what I know. The joy that he feels in his heart, knowing that he was used by God to invite someone in and connect them to a church family where they can feel the love, the acceptance, and the support of the body of Christ the way it was meant to be. I know that that joy far outweighs ice cream, that that joy far outweighs chocolate, that that joy is something that is not external, that that is internal. Because it's something that is making an eternal impact. But it doesn't really just stop there. I believe it can have external rewards as well. Here's something funny to think about. I'm willing to bet that if some of you will start inviting people at your job to church, you will get a promotion. Here's why. Because if you start inviting people to church, a Christian church, I just believe you may start working like a Christian. Someone who shows up on time. Someone who doesn't gossip. Someone who gives their all, not because they're working for a boss, but because they're working for an eternal Savior who gave his life to say, I am not the boss, I'm going to give it on a cross so that other people can come to me. You may start keeping your word. I believe that Some of you will start to pray more than you ever have before because you're going to get up close and personal through the people that you have invested with, with the problems in their life. When Jesus met Peter and he was coming to reinstate him, he asked him three times. He didn't say, will you go out and invite people to church? He said, will you go out and feed my sheep? Let me tell you something about shepherds you may not realize. You cannot feed sheep and stay clean. The closer you get to sheep, the messier it becomes and you're going to get close to people, if you're going to invest in feeding people and drawing them into a relationship with Christ, you're going to have to get your hands a little dirty. And you're going to need God's help. I believe you're also going to get in God's word more. Because when you're inviting people in, they're going to have questions. Well, what does your church believe about XYZ? Oh, I I don't know. I don't even know what I believe. Let me get my word out. Let me go study. Let me figure some things out. I believe that it has the power and potential to change so much if we can lean into it. But here's the deal. While I do look at all the benefits of what would happen if we did this, I also would be negligent to not show you potentially what would become of us if we did not. If we just continue to to stay inward focused, Look at each other's belly buttons all week long and think about how great we are and how much we know. We just train, 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 but we never get out on the track and run. We train, 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 never get out on the field. We become really great fans of Jesus. We know all sorts of great things, all sorts of factoids and trivias about him, but we never actually go introduce anybody to him. There's a thing that that is called. It's called being a stalker. Jesus is not looking for any more stalkers. Jesus is looking for followers who will follow him all the way to people who are broken, hurt, and lost. And invite them into a place where they can be found. So what will we become if we don't do this? A few weeks ago, there was a, uh, there was a church in Stockbridge that had closed its doors. And uh, there was just left kind of this remnant of people. And one of the things that they were kind of doing as their church had shut down, they were going around and and coming coming to different congregations, different churches, and trying to figure out where could we start going. And and they were here the day that Ashlyn got baptized, and I thought, man... I felt like I preached at least, you know, a, a seven and a half on a scale of one to ten sermon. Um, somebody got baptized. Worship was great. And again, just filtering it through pastor's eyes, just giving you a, a look behind the veil here. Um, I was like, man, we, 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 we did it. Like, they're going to be here. It's great. And I started to um, talk with some people who, who, who were a little bit more uh, connected with them. And I came to find out, and I quote here, that they would not be coming to McDonough Christian Church because, and I quote, how unprofessional the baptism was. And I saw that and I rejoiced because I was like, they good, like, that is awesome. I, I love, I love that unprofessional baptism. And here's the deal, guys I, I do not, I, I refuse, I, I did not come here to be a guy who, who led a group of people who said, we have it all figured out and we know the exact way that it's supposed to be done and we're going to go around and we'll just get all the only other people who know exactly how it's supposed to be done and we'll just get together, come hell or high water, we're going to stick together. I did not come here to be a professional. I came here because I thought that I would be able to lead a movement of God-fearing, Jesus-loving, Satan stomping, spirit surrender people who are willing to risk anything and everything to go after the lost people here. And, and here's, a, here's the deal, guys. I need your help. Our staff needs your help. There are places that you are into already that I could never get into. I don't have the key fob you do they would toss me out if I tried to get in the room that you're in seven days a week at work and so I need your help not for my sake but for the sake of the people who are actually helpless and we can start this week you can start today here's the deal if you're like, okay, well, I get you, Trent. Okay, I'm going to be listening for those three knots. What are they again? I'm not from around here. Things are not going well. I was not expecting this. I'm going to be listening for those, Trent, and I'm just going to be listening. But I'm also going to stay in my house seven days a week and never get outside. I'm just going to listen to Fox News, too. <laughs> You've got to get out there a little bit, folks. Go and be. Go and be. Go and be. Here's the deal. If you're looking for a place to start in our urbanized society so many of us have no idea the names of our four closest neighbors now I know some of you live out in the boondocks and you're like that's a long ways away that's that's a rationalization too because I'm with you there but here's the deal if you're looking for somewhere to start just get to know their names that's the investment. I, I'm just going to invest in like learning your name. And don't think from there that, that like the relationship has to be on slow-mo. Some of us, we, I learned their name and then like I'm going to wait for six months to go by and then I'm going to learn one of their kids' names and I'm going to wait for another six months to go by and I'm going to learn wh- whether or not they go to church or not and I'm going to wait for another six months or not and I'm going to invite them here. Like, listen, heaven and hell is a real place and real people go there and tomorrow is not a promise for any of us. So my prayer is that you would begin to live out what we're ready to sing about. The fact that that God is the God of this city and he has called us to give ourselves away from this city and to accept this grand invitation that comes with the apostrophe and the S of saying we are McDonough's. We are Griffin's. We are Hampton's. We are Locust Grove's. We are ready and willing, Jesus, to give ourselves away for those who do not know you yet and invite them in to what we have found here in you. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that greater things, Jesus, are yet to come. That greater things, Jesus, are yet to be done. That you, God, in fact, are still the God of this city. That money is not the God of this city. That comfort is not the God of this city. That peace is not the God of the city. That you, Jesus, are the God of this city. And it will be by and through you that this city will ever look any different. My prayer, Jesus, that you would use your people today to walk step in step with you so that Henry County would be a place that looks less and less like a kingdom of this world and looks more and more like the kingdom of heaven. In your name.